Everywhere people are searching for hope, clinging on to hope. For some of us here in Scotland, our children are going back to school on Monday and that's definitely a reason for hope. Some of us are hopeful that in a few months we'll be able to gather in church and actually sing together. Everywhere people are searching for hope. And we know that hope can set off a ripple effect. And we see this all the time, especially in this era of COVID. Gallup senior scientist, Dr. Shane Lopez said this, the tiny ripple of hope that you set in motion can change the path of someone's life. Through this series, we've seen how time and time again, as people encounter Jesus, ripples of hope, ripples of grace are set in motion, which change people's lives forever. Zacchaeus, resident of Jericho, tax collector, well, actually, chief tax collector, the boss, small person. I mean, most people were pretty small, pretty short at that time, so he must have been shorter than most and hated, despised by everyone in Jericho. He was that person, that one that they all loved to hate, probably for a good reason as well. As chief tax collector, he basically sold his soul to the devil, the Roman Empire. He took people's money and gave it to the Romans, which they then used to keep the Jews subjugated and oppressed. And not only that, as chief tax collector, he was pretty much given free reign to take whatever money he wanted just to feed his own wealth, his own greed. His neighbours lived in poverty whilst watching him live in luxury on their money. He was despised. It started as a normal day. Zacchaeus has sent out his men to collect taxes for him and he begins to hear rumours that Jesus, this preacher, this healer from Nazareth, was on the way to Jericho. He skulks around and listens to the chat. The rumour mill is rumbling. Someone seems to think that that blind beggar who sits on the road into Jericho has had his sight restored by Jesus. People start to gather waiting to see this Jesus. And Zacchaeus is intrigued. As much as he has more money than he knows what to do with, as much as he has built his own little powerhouse, as much as he is untouched by the tedious moaning people he controls to fund his lifestyle, it has all just become so predictable, so boring. So maybe this Jesus would bring a bit of excitement into his day. And so as the people start to gather, Zacchaeus joins them. He pushes his way through trying to reach a spot where he would get the best view of this prophet, this healer, this magician. But as the crowds notice him trying to push through, they bunch close, closer together. They fill the gaps trying to keep this man that's caused them so much misery out. And if Zacchaeus was anything, he was resourceful. He hadn't got to being chief tax collector with a stack of wealth without having some nous. And so he spots a tree further up the road and he hitches up his robe and he hauls himself up into that tree. He just wants to see Jesus. He just wants to see who Jesus is, that's all. But can it ever just be that? a look, a glimpse, and then you go back to normal. You see, when you really look for Jesus, 
and then you actually see him. See him for who he really is, who he truly is. Can that ever be it? Lee Strobel was a lawyer and atheist and decided to go on a mission to disprove Christianity. And he said this, I thought I could resolve it in a weekend, but it was like a punching bag that you hit and it will bounce back. I found that I was finding answers to my questions. I was finding footprints of Jesus in history and evidence that I found compelling and surprising. I spent two years looking at that evidence and in light of what I consider to be an avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully towards the truth of Christianity, I came to the conclusion that it would take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. Once Strobel saw Jesus, he couldn't help but see him for who he is, God in human flesh, the saviour of the world. Maybe some of you this year have been on the Alpha course or have been investigating Jesus for yourself. And you have had your eyes opened. You've see, you see Jesus now, perhaps for the first time, or maybe you've seen him afresh. You've experienced those ripples of hope and ripples of grace. The gospels are littered with encounters, encounters that people have had with Jesus. And those people are never left the same. Even the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, those who criticised and rejected him, had to make a choice as to whether to see him for who he truly was or not. Later on, when Jesus gets to Jerusalem and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are once again trying to catch him out, he says this, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to, sh came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. He's saying, even after you are pointed in the right direction by John, i.e. to me, even after you saw the miracles, even after you saw all this, you did not repent and believe. When you truly look for Jesus and then see him, can that ever be it? And then Jesus is in the business of finding those who look for him. As Jesus passes through the town of Jericho, crowds choking his path, no one, least of all Zacchaeus, expects Jesus to stop. Jesus is on a mission. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's walking his own road, which would we know now lead to his betrayal and trial and crucifixion. But Jesus doesn't pass by as Zacchaeus expects, but he stops and he looks up at Zacchaeus and tells him, I must stay at your house. In this simple, profound moment, something transformative happens. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Jesus sees him. He sees beyond the layers of finery, beyond the luxurious clothes, the beautiful home, the servants, the rich food. Jesus sees beyond the greed, beyond the pride, beyond the materialism beyond the things that have defined Zacchaeus' life. And he sees the sickness 
in his heart. He sees his deepest longings and deepest needs. Jesus sees someone who needs love and acceptance. Jesus sees someone ready to receive salvation. Let's just pause and think for a moment. What are the things that define you? Your education, success, creativity, how you look, your style, your children, your friends, your job. This week, our focus has been taken again to the way that people define each other by race and the color of, of our skin. You might have seen recently too the news story of Jax and Reddy, two five-year-old boys who wanted to have the same haircut as each other so that the, the, the teacher of their class wouldn't be able to tell them apart. The only thing that they could see as being different from each other was their hair. They didn't see race, they didn't see the colour of their skin as anything that defined them or made them different from each other. Isn't that a wonderful story? Now let's just close our eyes for a moment. It doesn't matter who else is in the room, uh, they're doing it too. Just close your eyes and picture, imagine that Jesus has stood before you. And as he looks at you, he sees you. Jesus sees you. He sees beyond all those things that appear to define you. Jesus sees beyond the words used to describe you. Jesus sees you. He sees into your heart. He sees your joys, your longings. He sees your hurt, your disappointments. He sees your potential to love him and to live for him. And in this moment, what does Jesus say to you? Let's open up our eyes. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. And then in that profound moment, he puts the ball in, the, in his court. He gives Zacchaeus the opportunity to respond. Come down, he says, I must stay at your house today. He says, it's your choice, Zacchaeus. He could, and, and Zacchaeus in that moment could have just said, oh, no thanks, Jesus. You know, I don't really know you. You don't know really who I am. But Zacchaeus has seen Jesus too. He has looked into Jesus's eyes, those eyes of compassion and mercy. And so he comes down from his tree and he welcomes Jesus, not reluctantly or with trepidation, but gladly and joyfully, as some translations say. It's pretty simple. In Revelation 3:20, we hear Jesus' voice say these words, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. If you haven't yet opened the door to Jesus, welcomed him into your life, is today the day that you need to do that? For some of us, we might have once received Jesus joyfully as our saviour, but gradually we've begun to put up barriers to him in our lives. He's subtly just been pushed out and we've taken back control. If that's you, Jesus is saying to you today, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come and spend time with you. And it's up to you to receive that invitation. And so Zacchaeus, he comes down from his tree, he opens the door, he takes Jesus into his home. And once again, Jesus uh, finds himself hanging out with the wrong sort. And once again, people moan and grumble that he's spending time with sinners. And as if to show those moaners that he's been transformed by Jesus, Zacchaeus stands up. You know, we often do that, don't we? We stand up when we want to make an announcement, make sure that we're heard. He stands up and he declares this. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Zacchaeus is making restitution. He's making good, putting right what he's done wrong. The law made it clear that he was obliged to give back whatever he had stolen or taken. But his transformation is so complete, he responds by giving back four times what he owed. He's just making it super clear to everyone listening, all the moaners, all he has harmed in his rampage through life, that this encounter with Jesus has transformed him from the inside out. He has been transformed by truth. But this act of generous restitution, that's not what saves him though. Jesus didn't notice him in that tree and say, hey Zacchaeus, you are a bad man and you need to give back what you have stolen. And then when you've done all that, I'll come and hang out with you. No, Jesus says, hey Zacchaeus, I see you. I want to spend time with you. Kindness, love, compassion, grace, acceptance come first. And it's this that causes Zacchaeus to be transformed. His act of generous restitution is simply the outward sign of the inward invisible grace that he has experienced by, by being in the presence of Jesus. And so Jesus declares, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. On that road through Jericho, Zacchaeus, the one who is lost, climbs a tree and is seen for who he is. He is found by Jesus. He is welcomed home and he's transformed by grace. So a question as we come to a close. Do you, do I, genuinely want to know Jesus more? And if the answer is yes, then here's my advice. Climb a tree, look for Jesus, 
let him see into your heart, into your life, into all those hidden corners. And then respond to his invitation. Come down, let me come to your home. What happens next? Well, that's when the adventure really starts. <laughs>